ladies, I'm Henri. And I'm Blanca. And this is the Meow Podcast. Meow stands for My Empowerment of Women, and it's a show dedicated to encouraging women to live empowered lives through storytelling. We are here to inspire women by advocating self-love, self-realization, self-development, mental health, and entrepreneurship. It's a platform for all women to find purpose and share their stories. Join us bi-weekly as we sit down and have heartfelt conversations that spark curiosity and inform you while we have some fun. Stay tuned, ladies. Hey, ladies. Welcome back to our new episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Mount Podcast. We're so excited to be back. Reporting across the country. (laughs) Yes, Honor's in California and I'm in DC and we wanted to stay responsible with our commitment to Meow and make sure that we're releasing our episodes and, you know, creating heart-based content. So how are you, Henri? What's new? I miss you uh, so much. <laughs> I miss you so much, too. I feel like there's a lot, you know, just lots of self-healing and lots of learning about myself. And it's been a fun experience at the same time. It's rough. But mm. I've been I've been just going at it, you know, just working on myself. How are you, Blanca? Yeah, I've been the same dude. I have been in D.C. for two months, getting myself together. A transformative experience, I think, being out here with my parents for the last two months. I'm definitely getting antsy to get back to California you know I just feel like I'm feeling really loved here I'm feeling very supported my parents have been like such an amazing I feel like they have changed so much while I've been here and I've been really thinking about abundance and like what abundance means to me and just grateful that I have an abundance of love an abundance of support people who genuinely really care about me so yeah like I feel very loved that's very very important you know like sometimes life just feels like you're stuck in a submarine literally (laughs) (laughs) waiting to come to the surface right have you heard about that Blanca (laughs) yes I've been keeping up on the TikToks which rest in peace those souls oh my god that is so freaking crazy so sad I at first I didn't you know I've been off social media so I usually go on like Instagram a lot as I do a lot of food blogging but you know I kind of deleted Instagram be real Snapchat a lot most of it for now off my phone except for like work accounts Uh and I went on Twitter because I have to do some like community management and I kept seeing like these submarine memes and I was very very confused it was like eight in the morning I had to like turn to my colleague like Okay, so why why is everyone talking about the submarines? Is it because of like the Beatles' yellow submarine? They're like, no, dude, you haven't heard what happened. The Titanic, yeah. and all <laughs> the Titanic already happened. <laughs> why would you get into a a Coke can bottle of a ship? If I down was a billionaire, I'd be doing something else, but. Right. Really, really, I really feel for those lives. They probably went into it thinking they had enough research and really trusting the process. And for that to happen is very unfortunate. And it's also very unfortunate to see all of these memes blow up, you know, from a family standpoint. Yes. You know, it's like very, very heartbreaking. Yes, I agree. I feel for the families and for the people that were there. But at the same time, I'm like, I, mean, I wouldn't get I, into it. I would never. I'm like, it would, these people are supposed to be smart. Yeah. And Why also would you get into like, a soda can? Also, like, I believe in mermaids. I forgot, but the mermaids got them. <laughs> well, I mean, like, literally, like, a thousand souls died on the ship of the Titanic. So I just, you know, we should respect the dead and leave that situation yeah, alone uh, a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Don't use Google the grave it. as, like, a sightseeing <laughs> spot. 
you know, like respect, respect it. Absolutely. I think that there's like, that's why we have the internet nowadays, like, yeah, go to and a museum. Blown up with a bunch of submarines. And have you seen those gender? Like, I'm like, I'm a boy like with the arm that's red, <laughs> and the body's blue. You know what I'm talking about? Those yes. like <laughs> pictures. On... But anyway, yeah, I could get into social media all day. I know. Yeah. No, I honestly, I haven't really been on social media either. I've been taking a social media break as well. And I honestly haven't, well, I've been here at home. I have been just meditating a lot. I've been going to this like sanctuary thing, like every day to pray and changing my mindset on like what I believe about abundance and what I believe, what I believe about success. And I know that all of the things that I've been wanting to manifest are going to come. Before all of those things come, I think that, you know, the universe really wanted me to, I don't know, like, I think I needed to come home to feel the love that my parents have been showing me and to feel whole. So, yeah, that's, what I'm no, feeling. that's very, very important. Like, especially dragging on things that maybe happened in the past with your family. Yeah. And then kind of being able to go back with a whole new experience really changes you and allows you to kind of take that step forward. Exactly, exactly. I just feel very whole right now. And I feel just really happy. Emotionally, I think that this is the happiest I've ever been. Even if I, if materially, I don't feel that way. I feel very whole inside. And so let's get into into today's topic. So today's topic is on triggers. Mm-hmm. And this topic came to be because of a lot of thoughts that I've been going through within my life. And I actually kind of had like a trauma attack almost kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I real, so I did this transformative breath work with Govindi on Sunday after kind of a really conflicting situation that I had mm-hmm. and hurting somebody because of it, not physically, mm-hmm. but like emotionally, it was very draining for both parties. And, you know, when whenever these moments of trauma happens, it's really sometimes hard to control. Although like for me, like guiding now and taking all these courses, like I've, I haven't really had like these trauma attacks from when I was little. I realized that all the bad that I've had has been really buried with all, all the good things that's been happening in my life mm-hmm. that I need to <clears throat> dig it out, right? And not be ashamed of it and not feel like I'm going to get judged for it and even do things that are like out of my character, like lie to to protect myself within like that split second so really being honest and it's not about becoming better per se but finding a new version of yourself and really working towards it and really trying to cut out bad habits or even people that served its purpose and try to move forward and stay consistent Mm -hmm. to really get there and work on it and whether that's you know therapy is a great tool but it really comes to your mindset and really knowing who you are that you don't hurt anybody else in, in the process of healing mm-hmm. and being able to grow from it thank you for sharing that Henri. i love today's topic and your inspiration behind it because that's what we're here to do we're here to inspire people while we learn as well because yes. i think that we have a self-development podcast but we are in the self-development journey as well and yeah we are learning every day and we I think that the biggest thing is that the fact that you're being accountable for yourself you know and that you are aware and conscious and are like I mean the whole situation I feel like happened so fast and you were able to immediately self-reflect and realize that like I'm being triggered this is like a big trigger for me and I need to dive deep into why this is happening and why protect myself 
through this trigger, why I want to avoid it, and then taking the steps to go deeper into the trigger become because you're conscious of it. But then now how can I move forward, heal it, and evolve as a human being? So definitely. And it's also like a lot of things that I learned within, you know, I haven't had like these attacks in a long time. Like Born Gave known me for years now. Mm-hmm. But it's like I also realized like after a shocking event happened last weekend. A couple of days after, I, I was like completely not myself. Like even my roommates, they were all really, really worried mm-hmm. that I was kind of going into like a loophole almost and being able to come back normal like I am today and being able to actually bring out my voice and be confident. Yeah. Took a lot, took a lot of confidence because for the past, even yesterday, like, or two days ago, like, you know, just I was just feeling really, really like insecure with it within a relationship or myself mm-hmm. feeling very vulnerable, seeking a lot of affirmation and from other people, because I was unable to navigate it and kind of it kind of brought me to a state of mind of when I was younger or things like that, where I was feeling very, very unsafe mm-hmm. and and not having a word or not being able to speak for yourself and really letting other people guide it. Going into the today's topic, today's topic is about triggers. And in the healing journey, the biggest thing that you're going to move through in the process of evolving is facing your triggers. So trauma reminders can cause your body to react without much warning. Simple reminders of your traumatic experience such as seeing or hearing something similar to your actual experience can cause an intense physical reaction that can increase stress. There's all kinds of triggers and there is a level of intensity for each one. So we'll go into today like types of triggers, steps on how to move through a trigger. You know, this kind of reminds me too, like when the traumatic event happened, mm-hmm. I think I was, I was like my signal went, well, so I actually shut down. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, that generally happens when I feel cornered or when the voice is kind of risen a little bit and then I become like completely not myself and stone cold and like really really trying to protect myself within my own body yeah and you know kind of learning how to get out get out of it so we're going to be sharing tips on it and I'm still working through it with you if you're going through something similar like not feeling like yourself and and that that's okay but we're you know knowing how to you know, if these things happen, being able to kind of train yourself through these resources so that we don't escalate things, right? Yeah. It's very, well, very important. Yes. And again, like it really depends on the intensity of the trigger. As we get into this topic, I really wanted to just say that if you are somebody who is entering the healing journey and you are starting to recognize your triggers or you're moving through an experience, you know, our romantic relationships tend to mirror a lot of our childhood traumas experiences that really hurt us you're really going to see that within your romantic and then your friendships yeah and it's also crazy because you remember we did an episode on attachment styles yes so they all tie into the topic of today as well and you know for a year a lot of research with you Blanca and um, you know what I learned if I'm not aware of my upbringing and the trauma that I went through then eventually I could have avoidant attachment style or mm-hmm. anxious know, anxious and all yeah. of that. So this is what I was kind of, you know, the roadblock that I was getting into this week is after the panic attack, I felt like I was kind of like running into like an anxious attachment out of nowhere when I've always been in a secure attachment style. Yeah. So, you know, just really being able to recognize and take a step back 
so you can um, become who you were again, or even become a different version of yourself that is going to make sure, you know, they're able to advance into a secure attachment style. Yes. And remembering your humanity, triggers are not something that we should be ashamed of. Triggers are going to come in and out, out of our lives, our whole life. And I think that the biggest thing is that we have to remember is our humanity, that we make mistakes and that there's things that are hidden in our body, that it isn't until we're in the situation that, you know, finally the awareness is there. And usually it's there for us to evolve and to take responsibility for it to change. At the beginning of the healing process, I think that people should know that this is when the most intense triggers are going to happen because we're just now finally becoming conscious of the fact that we have an unconscious reaction to certain things. Usually before we become aware of our triggers, they're usually are happening, but it's almost like we normalize the behavior, right? Like we've normalized the chaos, but it isn't until someone points it out to us like a significant other or a friend because we, through that reaction, we have negatively now impacted somebody else. The moment that we become aware of the trigger, this is not when the trigger ends. Because I had a friend literally call me the other day and she was telling me about, you know, she was being triggered. It's a very similar story to yours. And she was crying and she was like, I don't know why this is still happening to me. I thought that I already healed it. And I really want to make sure that people understand that the moment that you become aware of the trigger is not when the trigger will end. It is only the beginning of the healing process because a trigger will continue to trigger you until it no longer has power over you. So each time that you get triggered out of one experience, the next time that you get triggered again, the reaction should be less than the one previously. It's becoming less and less and less and less until you have no reaction. So that can be a process. It could be depending on how heavy the trigger is. Some triggers could take like a couple of months um, because I'm there will be tests. And then some, you know, you finally realize it and you immediately take it away. But I just wanted to share that before we really get into it because I think a lot of people are very hard on themselves. So there is a lot of patience that is required, not yeah. only with the person being triggered, but then also with ourselves, like compassion, kindness and compassion for ourselves while we're healing. The reason why it might take a long time for you to actually get out of that process or even with me. Imagine like, this is just an example. You know, you've been abused from when you were little, from when you were like eight to like 17 or something. And you're mm -hmm. so accustomed to that life and the highs and lows within the family and your defense mechanism and the way you handle situations during that time of your life is so critical to your adulthood. Like, yes, mm -hmm. you can work on these things, but you, you lived in that pattern, continuous trauma, continuous abuse, whether it's verbal, sexual, physical, you're li reliving those moments for years. And then you become an adult. Yes, you got out of that situation, but you're just so accustomed to how it was when you were little that when things get bad, or even when you're under the influence, like it just clicks right, right back, right? Right back right. up. So, you know, we hope to inspire you and hope also work with me through this process to, you know, like Blanca said, making sure whenever those triggers happen, that it's less and less each time and actually being able to recognize it. I've been in this journey for a long time now, so I know what it feels like to be in the thick of moving through triggers and moving through evolving as a human being. So I'm very excited for you, Henri, and I'm very excited for anybody yeah. who is taking the responsibility to change because 
we want to create healthy bonds and we want to have, you know, loving connections. When you're talking about it to someone, even like therapists or talking about these situations, it's not necessarily trauma bonding. There's like a difference between trauma bonding versus actually being able to move through these um, situations of being able to have a conversation that is productive. Making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people who love us, who are patient with us, and who see that we're trying to change. That's like the biggest thing because a lot of the time people get stuck on an old version of you or they don't allow you to evolve. So we want to be around people who allow us to change and to become better people. So a trauma bond is usually when we bond with someone over a pain that we went through or we kind of are looking for other people to to save us. That's usually when we become codependent or it becomes like in an unhealthy bond where both are mirroring each other's trauma and nobody is taking responsibility for the healing that they have to do to evolve, right? That is the biggest difference of being in a connection that is healing versus a connection that is trauma bonding. A trauma bond, the other person will either use your triggers as a way to control you, as a way to manipulate you, as a way to put you down. Um, in a healing relationship, you are both working towards evolving as people, holding space for the other, and then taking responsibility for your part and then also you know being kind to the other person that you can see that they're trying to change definitely and right? this process can feel really really lonely like you know this week mm -hmm. I kind of felt lonely because being able to have someone that actually supports you in the right way like not necessarily like healing you but like supporting exactly. you and making you feel love and making sure that they kind of understand that what happened to you is not like a speck in the sand and actually treating it like it's important and respecting your space and respecting that you're trying to grow out of it. It's really important. If you are actually healing, not catastrophizing people's actions. Like I think that it's important to acknowledge when people are trying to change and appreciate the efforts that they're putting because yeah, it can be really difficult to be with somebody who you make a mistake and then they catastrophize you like oh you're a bad person when in reality no you're just a human being who has shit that they have to work through have a whole spectrum of a personality that is loving and kind so this one moment is just a growing pain for you like i think you and i have been through you've seen me in my triggers yeah. and you have have just been like the perfect example of like how safe i have felt when i have been triggered and I have acted in ways that I'm not proud of. And the way that you handled it was like, you know, I I know that you're a good person and I know that this isn't you. And how can, you know, I give you the space to evolve because I see you consistently working on yourself. That is a loving connection. You know what I mean? So yeah. the biggest thing about triggers is that we want to not avoid triggers because I think that a lot of the times why we stay in lower vibrations and why we are so attracted to chaos is because we don't want to do the work to become self-aware. Um, and it is an understandable way of dealing with them is to push them away and try to not think about them. But that just prolongs your recovery. If you always avoid the memories, you won't learn to control them and you might miss out on parts of your life. Avoidance and fear can also turn into other emotions such as anger and depression. It mm -hmm. took a lot of courage, especially talking about this topic, because it is very, very touchy subject for me. But in order to kind of 
guide through my thought process and hopefully help somebody else that's hearing it will just mean the world to me. Yes, let's do it. Traumatic experiences often leave people feeling misunderstood and alone. This might lead to unhelpful behaviors such as feeling self-conscious, such as when we're alone in a group or comparing ourselves. Yeah, and I even think about that too. You know, there's times when you feel like they just feel the ick, like, Mm -hmm. and your gut feelings are usually right. Yes. Unless, unless it's the right group of people and you're just kind of disconnecting. Yes, sometimes the world. Yeah, sometimes it can be you're just in the wrong group of people. But then sometimes it could be like, you know, social anxiety, where you're not feeling confident in yourself. And maybe the people aren't even doing anything. Maybe you're just so self conscious of yourself, maybe that's like a trigger from from childhood, maybe you were made fun of at home when you were in a group of, of when you were around like family. And so now whenever you're around a group of people, you know, you're feeling that feeling again. So that is like a sign of a trigger. Definitely. And it's so crazy too. like thinking about our upbringing and especially I, I don't want to speak for all the Asians, but a lot of the Asian households, they tend to mm-hmm. be kind of hard on their children and kind of like say, why aren't you eating enough or things like that? You know what I mean? Like you're so yeah. skinny and like those things literally get into your head and it's for you to get out of. And it sucks that what someone else did is something that you have to deal with. The next one is being discounted, such as when someone ignores our calls. Yeah, this is a trigger for when like, you know, I think that this one, I feel like a lot of people feel, I feel like especially in our time of dating, the ghosting, like that could be somebody, that could be a trigger for someone, you know, like that can bring them back to a place of like- Neglect. Neglect, exactly. So, you know, being aware of, of, uh, when we're doing that and when it when so that we don't make other people feel that way yeah people just want to feel loved you know exactly. third one feeling we are controlled such as when someone is making decisions for us or is telling us what to do or feel yes this is a big one because i think especially in relationships whenever you're feeling controlled in a relationship this is really like a test for the amount of respect that that both people have for each other is how can we be considerate of one another without feeling like we are pushing our presence on someone? Yeah, I think about this one a lot too, because, you know, maybe in your childhood, like, you know, it was very up and down. So just feeling controlled and that actually like bring comes to your adulthood, you know, things like that, that we have to try and recognize on our own. Yes, maybe we had controlling parents. And so now we live our life not wanting anyone to control us. So every time that somebody sets a boundary with us or expects or wants something out of us, we immediately go into the defense because we're and then flee and run away. Yes, we run away from people or we don't give situations a proper chance. It immediately shuts down. Yeah. I'm going into the next one, feeling taken advantage of, such as when someone fails to pay us back on a loan. I feel like there it's times when you're saying yes to everything because you Mm -hmm. always have to like feel like you're proving yourself, especially living in a household, maybe when you were little, where you were receiving love because you know you're always saying yes and doing everything right. And then in the end, feeling like you're taken advantage of. I think that this is for like people with trust issues, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. people get into relationships and they maybe they feel like someone's in the relationship 
just to use them. This is a really difficult one because I feel like you're never fully, you're always like really tense. The mind is very cyclical. So if you always think that people are going to be taking advantage of you, then you're probably going to attract people who are yeah. reaffirming that belief. And it's always hard when you go through these tra traumatic experiences, like, you know, for me, like hitting that trigger this weekend, uh -huh. like you go into like a spiral of like reading into a lot of things and kind of self-destructive almost, self-sabotage. We do a lot of self-sabotaging when we are afraid to be hurt. Um, the next one is the feeling vulnerable, such as when we're in a situation in which we feel exposed. Feeling vulnerable can be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. where you're being vulnerable to someone without feeling exposed. Actually, you know, that's why we talk about having good friends. And, you know, even with me, like I might have to change the type of people that I hang out with. Being able to be vulnerable in a, in a space with a loved one and then being able to actually like comfort you properly and try to understand that situation is is kind of like really helpful for your experience that could feel so alone. I think that the fear of vulnerability comes from a deep rooted sense of fear of being seen as weak or our vulnerability being used against us. I think that a lot of the times we don't have like discernment on who to open up to and then we pick the wrong people to open up to and then we get jaded. Yeah. And then and then when we have people who are safe spaces for us to open up to, we kind of either push them away be again because of the residue mm -hmm. of like people from the past but i think I that for fear of being vulnerability i think I, the way that i've healed this is that i've had to come to peace with my story yeah and then when i come to peace with the fact that i've been through things and the things that i've been through then i don't feel so afraid to share that with the world. Uh, Brene Brown has this really great Netflix special where she talks about how not everybody is worthy of your story. Not everybody is worthy of knowing the experiences that you have been through and what has made you you that it takes like a special person to for you to be able to share that with. So again, that comes with discernment of the kind of people that we're choosing to open up to and then be owning our story so that if we do share it with the wrong person we already are comfortable with what we've been through so we're not afraid of people using it against us but today i'm sharing it with the world but but uh we we're using it to way. help people <laughs> but to you know there's different people that we go to for different reasons but there is a time when you do have to talk about it especially if you're dating somebody or you know, someone that's important. So they're kind of aware of the journey that you're going through. But it also is about like the right place and the right time when you tell that person. And going into the next one, it's relationship experiences, such as when we are lonely or feeling smothered. I think there's like a healthy balance. Exactly. I mean, I think that everything is about being each other's support system. It's all yes. about just conscious, conscious dating. Yeah, conscious effort. Yes. And so, the next one that we're going to go into is boundary concerns, yeah. such as when someone is coming at us while drunk or disrespecting our space. Yes, this is a really big one. When you're in a relationship, that is where the biggest triggers are going to come out. And being with people who are able to stay respectful is like so important. I definitely have done some stupid stuff when I've been intoxicated and I've acted a fool. But, you know making sure that if we are being triggered while we're drunk and it's a it's like a pattern it's starting to become a pattern then this is something that we have to like isolate ourselves and like hey like i can't be drinking right now because every mm -hmm. time i get drunk 
there's an episode that's happening within that episode so that we can heal it and then once we've healed it then we can start drinking again together and then we can start having fun again but if we're noticing like a pattern every time i get drunk i become disrespectful i become you know out of control out of control that's that's a problem you're now creating you're 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 taking away safety if you are getting triggered while you're intoxicated or you're crossing boundaries that are like no-nos that's something that you have to go within yourself and like heal and you know respect the other person's boundaries like i don't want to hang out with you until like you figure out whatever is going on with you the last one is fearing what might happen such as when a threat appears imminent mm -hmm. yeah fear of the unknown fear of getting hurt fear. there's so many fears that we are constantly living with but but then i also I think about like if you grew up in an environment where you're always scared all the time hiding you know thinking someone's gonna neglect you or someone's gonna hit you so living in that fear mindset all the time even when you become an adult something might happen that you like triggers you to go back to those moments and how you respond to situations yes and that is why we go into the healing journey to become spiritually and mentally strong so that we know that anything that life throws at us, we can handle. Also, just knowing that healthy relationships are not perfect. You're not going to get into a relationship and never argue with somebody and never get triggered by somebody. That's not reality. We are definitely going to trigger each other and we're going to go through things. Yeah, I think and... it's just the thing about being human. Yes, you're going to have the good times and there's going to be some rocks. But making sure we can get better and better each time as we practice. Exactly. I feel like in relationships, you know, you're going to go through your ups and downs and you're going to have amazing memories with somebody. And then you're going to have some memories that you had to work through. But it's all a, a part of the human experience. Journey. Human experience. Yeah. Today, we're going to go over the steps on how to manage triggers. There's 13 of them. So the first way to manage a trigger is just to name it, to acknowledge that it's there. Um, if we avoid triggers, then, you know, so much chaos is created. And then this could be a particular people that trigger us, words, places, or behaviors. Being on the lookout for our triggers makes us ready for them. Then we can respond consciously instead of acting on reflex. Yeah, and this is so crazy because when I had that experience with Go Govindi doing the three-hour transfer transformative breathwork session. Before we actually went into the breathwork, we did like an hour of kind of discussing some of the things that I went through, and we had to name it. Name uh, it. And for this case, we named it Hyde. <laughs> Miss Hyde. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. I've actually never named it that in that way. This just came into my head because I would have thought that before, but I just had this experience where I, we have to name this person. Yes. And also even naming people that trigger us. Like, I think that one of the biggest things, like you were saying today, that you feel like you have to maybe reassess some of the individuals that you have in your life. Yeah, and tricky situation. Yes, but as soon as we begin to see the reality of people and the reality of things, that's the first step is just acknowledging this person triggers me, this action triggers me. Every time I do this, this brings out a, a, a version of me that I don't like. Yeah, because you could have a great friend, but they might be bringing into experiences and you knowingly hanging out with them, that that's what's gonna yes. happen, right? And yes. you have to kind of come in to face it and be real with it. Yes. And then also assessing how comfortable we are with chaos. I think that's the biggest thing about when we're naming it and we're acknowledging what's triggering us, what makes us feel unsafe. Assessing the 
comfortability that we feel in these chaotic experiences because a lot of the times like you said before we our light our childhood was chaotic so we've normalized those highs and lows so even that is naming it that yeah. experience is naming it hey i'm really comfortable in chaos i'm really comfortable in relationships with people that bring out the worst in me i'm comfortable in connections with people who manipulate me who because that's what i've been yeah that's what all i've known and it's so normal to you that other people see it like oh you know andre needs friends and new friends but then you don't see it because you're so used to your lifestyle from you know when you're growing up so um it's very important to kind of surround yourself surround yourself with people that actually like opens your eyes a little bit more. So number two to manage a trigger is seek the source. Identify the source of a trigger reaction. A specific event or trauma is central to freeing ourselves from it. Triggers based on past trauma show us where the past invades the present, but they also allow us to look directly into the hidden world of who we are. I mean, this is a lot of the stuff that we talk about is that everything that is happening in our present moment that is uncomfortable, that is chaotic, that is bringing out the worst in us, there's usually a link to the past. I'm just going to give an example of a trigger. Oh, I've talked about this before, is that one of the triggers that I've had with some of the guys that I've liked is that they are very hot and cold with me. So I had to like really ask myself, why am I comfortable in these kinds of dynamics? Why do I like people who are inconsistent or are emotionally unavailable? And the link back to that is my father was like that when I was a little girl, like from zero to 11, he was inconsistent with me. And so that wound, even though my dad is like the sweetest person ever, once he got himself together, he's not like that at all. And he's so present. And But that wound that I had from a little girl was never healed. I never acknowledged it until I realized that I had a pattern of people who made me feel the way that I felt when I was a little kid. Yeah. So that is linking the, that's just an example of like linking a thing to the past. That's definitely, I think about it too. Like a lot of my relationship from teenage years to like 20 something was really, really chaotic. And then before moving to San Diego, actually um, like junior, senior year of college, my best friend Julie Lee made me contracts of the type of people that I want to date. And then the second yeah. contract is the type of people that I want to surround myself with. You tend to date people that are a reflection of you, right? Yeah. In a sense. So, you know, my past relationships, I was always dating people that were like abusive or like really hot and cold, you know, and that mm -hmm. goes back to like the, your upbringing, right? Your, yeah. you know, the affection you get from your parents. My parents love me a lot, but you know, there are things that have happened in the past. And now I'm dating Ben, who is much more like, you know, he has a great head over his shoulder and, and I'm just really thankful that, you know, just a state of mind and keep continuing to work on myself and trying to get better whenever I can really uh, put you in a spot where you're surrounding yourself with someone that is very supportive. The third way to manage your trigger is be aware of projection. Trigger reactions are about projection. For example, if one of your parents were angry, violent towards you, you might be triggered by anger in others today. This is because your body fears a repetition of the original sequence, even mm -hmm. though anger and violence aren't inevitably linked. Yeah. Or maybe your first love left you or someone else, and now you're unsure of your attractiveness in every new relationship. We predict outcomes based on past experience. This is a big part that hit home. I projected or like you just kind of like lose control or like kind of snap, you know? 
and being able to like recognize those things and have space with yourself have kindness yes i think that projection is a really hard one to move out of because projecting we're really just very unconscious i think that we're very asleep yes um, you shut down you're like stone cold yes or we just typically living in like a self-sabotaging kind of way because that a lot of people suffer with this yeah is and that... especially when like something triggering happens and like you're just like not yourself we just tend mm-hmm. to go into like a spiral of like you know feeling or, unsafe and like yes or we just like we become addicted to people who are like love bombers i feel like like i feel like people who are like this who are projectors especially in relationships like they're people who want you to give them a lot of attention and mm-hmm. if you're not giving them a lot of attention they feel like you don't really like them and so they haven't understood that like when you like somebody like you have to go slowly yeah yeah so you can't come at them see this week i was kind of like give me affection but like you know you just gotta like take it easy these things happen especially from childhood trauma and i've been working towards that but once like the trigger happens it like brings you back and i like caught myself this week like oh my gosh i'm being like needy and like things like that like this past four days i've been kind of like weird after that trigger and trying to like get myself out of it again mm-hmm. and it's okay like you're not going to be perfect but being able to like really take a step back and kind of look at it from an eagle's eye view to realize like okay that's not a situation that you want to be in and mm-hmm. for me like I've always worked so that I don't bring a very up and down up and down type of relationship to like a significant other right yeah I think that it's okay to feel some of the fears that we have from the past I think that it's just important to be vulnerable with the person that you're kind of dealing with and I don't know, this is hard. Like I definitely, being vulnerable with people is, is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it's good to be aware of who to be vulnerable to and who not to, like we discussed earlier. Yeah. Because the right people will kind of actually be there even if they you know, don't understand the path that you're on, but being able to support you properly in a way that is very, very productive. Like your um... cheerleaders from afar, you know? I know, I know. I feel like it's like really about just finding people who are safe spaces. Like it just, it's so important to date people who are kind and loving and want to be with you and love you for the way that you are. Exactly. Who love you for you and like doesn't forget who you were over these things that happened to you. Yes. Who sees the effort. But, you know, making sure that we're not projecting onto our partners. That's very important that we're not seeing things out of a place of woundedness and that we're really taking the time to heal the things that other people have done. Because, you know, it's not your current partner's fault. Somebody else did some shitty thing to you. You know what I mean? Like, that was just one bad person. And oftentimes you might feel like you're being too mad by like exposing all these things that happen and bringing pain to your partner but having someone that can actually take a step back and understand and not taking too much of the pain and have space with it but be there to support and if you're with somebody who they leave you because of it being really grounded in who we are that if somebody doesn't love us for our shadows then they're not meant to to be there for us and then we can give ourselves the space to align with somebody who does want to know all of those parts of us and wants to hold space for us 
because because it's you know there's no no other not taking it personal i always think about this it's better to be alone than with someone that makes you feel even more alone within a really hard experience that you're going through period it's better to be alone than bad company i think that a lot of people don't know how to be alone and so they stay in relationships with people who don't support their emotional needs because they they have low self-esteem so they don't think that they could find anybody else that will will be there for them but i'm telling you there is a world full of good people out there who want to hold space for you who want to love you so that like you properly make you feel loved in the way that's correct right and this is why it's also important to be very honest like from the beginning of who we are and not creating bonds with people from inauthentic places. Like sometimes I think we get into bonds with people from an inauthentic place. So we're acting and we're pretending to be a version of ourselves that's not true because we know that that's the version that that person might like. And so we fall in love with people who we don't even really know. Sometimes like we tend to be our best selves when we start dating somebody. Yeah. That's hard to switch gears, but when the time is right, you're able to talk about these things and you know if the person's right for you, if they're able to hold a safe space and make you feel loved and make you feel seen and heard versus someone that's not going to treat it like I can't handle it. If they can't have you at your worst, they can't have you at your best. Exactly. Exactly, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) If you couldn't handle, if if you treated me badly when I was at my low, you can't handle the glow up version of me. Yeah. Period. So next is notice, notice hyperarousal signs. When when we're triggered, cortisol and adrenaline course through us. So we might feel fragile, disorganized, disoriented. We're unable to self-regulate in that moment. So the first order of business is to focus on calming ourselves down. This is huge. Like, you know, I'm always about being a bad bitch, but sometimes bad bitch can't be a bad bitch all the time. You know what I mean? And this week, like I had a lot of, you know, ups and downs within myself and navigating myself. And like I went grocery shopping and I dropped my groceries on the way home. I was like, where's my mushrooms? Where's my onions? Like dead ass Blanca. I bought like $300 worth of groceries from three different places. We headed home <laughs> with a cart, dropping things. I was like disorganized. But you know what? I just had to like take a breather. And like, just be yourself and then just sit in the uncomfortableness and like, and like navigate yourself, right? Yes. Calm ourselves down. (laughs) Calm ourselves down. I think that a lot of us have really dysregulated nervous systems. We're kind of on in fight or flight constantly. Finding like 20 minutes of the day where we can like just sit in silence. I think that prayer is really good. Like I have been having some major anxiety while I've been at home about stuff. And then I've just been literally just like praying and meditating and finding ways to ground myself that everything is going to be okay sometimes like when you really need it it might be hard to get out of bed but for me like this week what worked was like getting out and going to the gym really amping up that nervous system and then calming it down while running when I was on the phone with you and stuff so kind of finding your own rhythm to calm yourself down and don't like be harsh on yourself they didn't meditate there might be another way like I even did painting really finding that calmness within that tsunami and the storm right i think that the biggest great moment of evolution is when you're like damn i'm getting really upset about this i need a moment telling the other person hey like can we not talk about this right now actually like i feel like i'm gonna get really upset if we continue 
can you give me some space for me to rethink about my my thought and then I can come back to you from a place that is calm and not from a place of anger that that is the biggest moment of growth when we are able to take a step back and say I need a time out I really want to continue chatting but I would like to chat with you when I'm not when I'm feeling not so yeah and like I feel like it's all about like catching yourself pause and redirect right that's what I'm trying to work on myself with more is like when your feelings are very very much aroused you're gonna say things you don't mean or like really really like catching yourself so you know we're not perfect but you know we can be more prepared for these moments practicing understanding the roots of it so that when it does happen it's not as hard the sixth way that we can manage your triggers is practice knowing and showing your emotions emotions are like muscles They develop in healthy ways by being used appropriately. Likewise, if we've hidden an emotion like anger or sadness for most of our lives, our ability to cope with the feeling becomes stunted. This is one reason a reaction may feel awkward or exaggerated when we're triggered. Yes, this is like why it's so important to become comfortable with the fact that we are emotional beings. Have been taught that we're only allowed to be happy and excited. Then every time that we feel angry, you know, it is an explosive experience because we are so used to bullying ourselves out of our emotions. Got a tough childhood. We're so used to bottling all those anger or even used to probably lash out to protect yourself, right? Allowing emotions to pass by you. They're just an energy. Just knowing that it is just a natural reaction. We are emotional beings. We are. It's a vibration. If you're feeling triggered and you're having these negative emotions and you're able to take a step back and go into your room, sit with it. Don't push it away. Don't try to pretend it's not there. Don't try to cut off the feeling. Just sit with it and it will pass. There is a period where we like feel overwhelmed for a while because there it's been like a Pandora's box. And if you need a couple days where you're just like laying in your bed crying, feeling all of the things, watching sad movies, listening to sad, do that, you know, and let it all out. Let it all out. You will come to an emptiness. Yeah, it was so wild because, you know, during the session with Govindi, so I had to let everything out because she says I've been piling all the good and with the bad inside. And yeah. like this week, my that's probably why. Like, you know how I said I wasn't feeling myself like up until like yesterday? Yeah. Like all of these emotions were just bursting out left and right, whether it was good or bad. And like she literally talked told me to get a tennis racket and hit my bed, but I don't have a tennis racket. Like I was like, okay, I could be with people right now. And there are moments that's like good to be around people, but I was like, I just need to take in this emotion, like at this moment and like really understand it. I just let it exactly. because I could have easily been I'm going to be around people but I was, I'm yes. going to I'm going to fight through these emotions and kind of figure it out and kind of reflect yes. on it yes because a lot of the times we become escapists we go party we go you know meet up I don't know we do things that we are not supposed to be doing <laughs> and we find ways to numb ourselves from feeling it but when we really should be doing is we should just be at home just feeling it feeling it letting it purging it purging it i've been a hermit for a couple for a month or something i'm not saying that you everybody has to do this it just really depends on the heaviness of the emotions that you're feeling but just knowing that this too shall pass and just don't judge yourself while you're in a purging period of your life because really what's happening is that you haven't felt your feelings in years yeah and so it's the, all of the stuck energy finally it feels safe enough to be felt it's and you like just have the to... release yes and you know what's crazy is that i was talking to one of my friends um who was in my class and she, and she was saying that she was really afraid that 
there was a weekend where she couldn't get out of bed and she was crying and she was like, I'm just afraid that I'm, that if I allow myself to, to feel all of this and I'm never going to stop crying. Like she had literally a fear that she was going to be crying forever. And I told her, I was like, girl, you're not going to be crying forever. You might cry for maybe like a week, maybe like a little bit more than a week where it's like ugly crying. Like you're on the floor, like out here hyperventilating, but it's all just energy that is getting out. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people fear that if they allow themselves to feel the pain from the past, that it's never going to go away. And it is going to go away. You will empty yourself out. Your body will empty itself out. Number seven is take a breather. When we're triggered, we lose our objectivity. We may feel like the wind knocked out of us. This makes it much harder to say what needs to be said. Try stepping away for a moment to let the ego calm down. This makes it easier to communicate non-judgmentally about the effect someone's actions or an experience has, has on us. Yeah, take a breather when you're triggered. Again, this is like taking a time out. If you feel overwhelmed by your emotions and you need some space, acknowledging that you need space, giving yourself space to understand what it is so that you can come back to a conversation from a place that is grounded and level-headed. And then also us respecting people when they say that they need space, not taking it personal when someone's like, I need to be alone. I need to process things. We all need to be doing that. We all need to be taking breathers and spaces to process information, to process emotions, to be spending time alone. And then number nine is be ready for family. Family members know every one of our buttons and exactly how and when to push them. It's no wonder that we're often at our most re reactive around them. If you yeah. know a particular family member is a challenge for you, be on the lookout. Be as present as you can. And mm -hmm. if the situation reaches fever pitch vacate the premises oh this one's a hard one. Oh, dude let me tell you when <laughs> i went on my healing journey i moved to california <laughs> yeah i mean when i moved when i started my healing journey i moved all the way to nebraska in the middle of nowhere <gasps> yeah i i mean sometimes you know you have to create a you have to separate from your family for a bit you and have it's so to, nice like... to start new but then you realize as you get older that you have to kind of tackle these roots while you're healing and you need to take some time away from them i think that's completely healthy and you, if your family you know if it's a healthy family they will give you that space and when you come back again it's like a relationship the ups and downs you will go through a transformation with them so allowing yourself to transform so that the relationships with your families can transform as well Number 10 is find the humor. If it's possible, find the humor in a triggering situation. This one, this is one of the fastest ways to diffuse a stress response. Treat it like it's a joke too much too. It's like a balance, you know what it's I mean? Balance. It's Absolutely. a balance. It's a balance because you can't be like, oh, I'm triggered, ah, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> I think that there's a, a point in our healing where we just have to stop taking ourselves so, so seriously. And just, obviously, once you get there, but finding the humor in life and that we're all i don't know kind of realizing that we're all kind of fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this is like going to the next one no you're not alone we become yes. easy victims of our triggers when we believe that everyone else is able to control theirs triggers lose a lot of power when we realize people we trust and admire are affecting the same way we are we're all yes. healing exactly aligning with people who are on the self-development journey is really important so that you don't feel alone 
in the process and then also like, your trauma is not an excuse for bad behavior like yes yeah. it is an explanation as to why you act a certain way but it's very very important that we don't cling to that victim mindset this is just how and I and i'm never gonna change this is how i am everybody has to deal with with you know your bullshit I mean? honestly your... i don't want to call any trauma bullshit but if you're doing it to inflict somebody's pain on purpose and continuously do it and think that's okay because hey these are all the shit that i went through you never understand but i'm gonna hurt you with all of my pain then that's like not okay that's not okay because like i said if you take responsibility for your for your trauma and you decide to heal you will align with people who love you for you and will acknowledge the fact that you're trying to change unconditional love is not unconditional tolerance so if you acknowledge that you're fucked up and then you don't do anything about it you're toxic yeah <laughs> then if you're lonely it's your fault <laughs> yeah but if you decide to make that journey into self-discovery and making a difference and changing the definition of who you are, like not necessarily forgetting who you were, but making a difference, then yes. that's your time. Realizing that the story that you have was given to you uniquely and it was perfect, whether it was good or bad, it is what it is. And with your story, you can help so many others. You can be a mentor. You can be you know, a source, a source of inspiration. Like we're trying to be here in now. We're trying to use the hurts that we've gone through to hopefully inspire or help another individual who yeah. wants to feel a little bit more seen and, and help and, others. And help others, but also kind of like reflecting on everything that happened and just being raw with it. Period. And Vulnerability is hot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if, and if you reacted to something in a way they didn't, you wish you hadn't, mm -hmm. then making sure you're working on it to be better. Period. And number 12 is seek therapy. If a particular trauma trigger is creating unmanageable stress, seek professional help. And this is so important because like as much as you want to talk to your friends about it, yeah, they're going to give you different advices. But if it's at a point where you kind of need a professional guidance like for me like my life was always glowing shimmery gold but there was always that underlying something that was always kind of like dragging me that I'm like okay like I'm I don't want this to affect my relationship where it's up and down so I always like try to manage that if you're getting a trainer to train your body why not do therapy to train your mind right yes and because we need we need help it's okay for us to need help you yeah know, it's okay for us to like not have all of the answers and to not know it all. I think like what what my biggest thing with wanting to create meow is that I really want to like normalize and popularize self development. It should be something that is so natural for us and is so and you just have to have the desire to want to be helped and you will find it. So let's normalize self development. Let's normalize this kind of self care because this is the self care that truly matters. You know. But last but not least, practice acceptance. And upsetting and challenging as triggers can be, it can help to remember that they are one of the body's ways of pointing us towards our own healing and wholeness. And every one of us has, has them. Similar triggers happen to all of us. They are simply part of life. Period. Yes, I hope that everybody finds it within themselves to learn to love themselves and to fully accept the light and shadow aspects of their journey and their personality and that even if you've made mistakes and even if you have done 
some things that we haven't been proud of when we've been asleep, you're still worthy of your own self-love. Especially when you're triggered and, you know, doing things that you normally wouldn't do, you can always take the first step to go through that journey. And, you know, it's not even about like the length of a journey you start today, you start next year, but being able to go through with it. And I feel like for me, I've always been kind of on that self-healing journey. But then mm-hmm. there's still these times when I'm maybe under the influence or things like that, where it comes up and that's okay. But being able to address it. Yes. And it's never too late to change. My mom has been doing a lot of healing. That's been really beautiful to see. And I just think you're never too late to begin trying to be the best version of yourself. And even the versions of you that haven't been great, like I said, are valuable. They are worth being honored because they're a part of you. But if you have the power to change with in yourself just take the first step i really loved this conversation today Henri, about triggers because i think that is the the biggest part of the healing journey is managing our triggers i miss you so much and i can't wait to hug you (laughs) i miss you i love air hugs but thank you so much for letting me open up about this and giving me a safe space and especially i hope that this brings some awareness if you're experiencing triggers and traumas like it's normal especially if you went through something that's traumatic and you're in your childhood that's been like a repeated thing that you have to relive over and over and over until you got out of it if there is a specific intense situation it brings you back to inside the egg right so learning how to kind of navigate yourself and it's always a fun journey getting to know yourself more period (laughs) love you bye guys bye guys